Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge podcast. Um, it's Bilal here today. We've got once again a full cast that we're joined by a very special guest who's going to introduce himself in just a moment. But before we get to that, Patrick, Kwaku, Tom, how are we doing, man? Good. Yeah. This week's actually been all right. Like, I've just been mad busy. So I've just, just been distracted, really, I suppose. So that's, that's something. Like, yeah, I'm all right, man. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I'm decent. I had, I had a mad, um, bro. I don't know if you've heard of the Wandle Trail, right? It's basically no. a walk from Croydon to Wandsworth. So, like Wandsworth Bridge. So, I walked that yesterday, like five and a half hours, something like that. Whoa. Bro, bro I'm finished. Yeah. I'm finished. How many miles is that? I don't know. Like, I couldn't even tell you, man. I think it was like, I mean, it's over 20 kilometers, like easily. Mad. Yeah. And it was a proper, like, just impromptu decision. Like, oh, okay, yeah, let's just go for a walk. What's it called? The Arundel Trail? Wandle. So there's a river Wandle. Oh, okay. That goes, that goes from like Croydon to right up to central London. So just follow that around. Oh, okay. You just and do it on it... your own? No, I was with Hannah. Oh, wow. Doesn't mean Hannah did that. So yeah, I'm finished, man. I was that was like I took up most of the day and I came back and I was just out of it. So I'm just <laughs> getting getting round to recovering now. I'm not much of a walker, so like that was the longest walk I've probably ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What about you, Tom? You're right. Yeah, I'm all right, man. Um I was in bed for most of the day yesterday because I was so tired, just working pretty late. Um you know, kind of work until like one, two a.m. Monday to Friday. Um, so just really, really busy. It shouldn't be this busy at the end of the year. It shouldn't. Things should be dying down by now, to be honest. But it just doesn't feel that way. It just feels like the deluge of work continues. Um, so yeah, just kind of feel recovered after just being in bed for yesterday. But you know, okay, we'll see what next week brings. Hopefully, a lot, a lot more. Um, hopefully, an easier week. But we'll see. We'll see. But like, what about you? How are you? Wow. Yeah, we always forget to ask this Bilal. It's nice, man. This, wow, it must feel like it's actually Christmas. Um, Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired, like like you all said. Uh, but yeah, yesterday I spent my day really doing Christmas. I went, imagine this. I went to the garden centre to buy a tree, yeah? There was mm. a queue for 20 minutes to get into the garden centre because mm. everyone had the same idea. Um, But yeah, I bought a tree, did it up. It's my first time ever decorating a Christmas tree. My oh, house. wow. That was nice. Does it feel like a proper like adult moment? Like, yeah, it because like, yeah. normally it's like, you know, the parent that puts up the tree and whatever in your house. Now it's yeah. you. No, like, it was me. Like, oh, I'm yeah. actually buying my own tree. Putting did you ha- in it and... did you um buy the decorations and all that as well? Yeah, but but uh, what I'd say, yeah, buy decorations from Tesco. They're bare cheap. They're they're so okay. Much. But okay. I also bought some really nice decorations. Um. I might have put them on my Instagram from March Muses. So they're a black owned Christmas decorations brand. Okay. It's quite okay. cool, man. I got a black Santa at the top of my tree. Oh, um, I saw that. It. I actually that's saw that. Amazing. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I was like, oh, this is actually, it's funny because growing up, that doesn't cross your mind. But now those things are really important to me, like the images that we see and that we can see. Mm, 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 um, mm. And just even small things like never seen a black angel before or like never seen a black fairy, like, just the things on your tree, like not even, even just on your tree, like your tree's trying to tell you that Christmas is for white people. So I've just made a concerted effort to mix it up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. That's yeah, really man. cool. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all blessed. 
I saw the picture of your tree actually looked really nice. It looked like a proper, like, it looked like a sponsored post. Do you know what I mean? It looked, <laughs> it looked really like, yeah, the aesthetics oh, was dude. nice. And that. Well, the kittens have now found it. So that's the next step. Oh, they're going to mash up those bubbles. Mash yeah, up the tree. Man. But anyway, for now, it still feels Christmassy in my house. But yeah, yeah. we're not here to talk about me and Christmas. We're here because we've got our special guest. So Nick, thank you for joining us. Welcome, welcome. Um, it's been a long time coming, to be honest. As someone that we all know, to be honest, and they've yeah. listened to your podcast, and I know that you you've listened to ours over yeah. the years. So thank yeah. you for joining. Um, first of all, just tell everyone who you are and a bit about you. Yeah, before I say anything, just congrats to you guys, like on all the success with your podcast. Um, been an early listener and a big fan of the concept and like what you guys discuss. Um, being a fan of politics and stuff, it just really was great to hear some guys who have the wealth of knowledge um, or wanted to learn more and bring actual experts on to talk about certain stuff like authors, all of that. And um, I remember when uh, I forgot his name, but he got into Oxbridge as well. Um, and it was incredible to hear that conversation and you to give him a platform to tell his story beyond like the media. So first of all, like congrats to all of you and what you're doing. I'm still a big fan of the podcast and what you've been able to do through quarantine and stuff when you guys do post. Um, a bit about myself. Um, I'm Nicholas Terrell, Nick to most people, uh, a music and culture journalist and writer. Um, I've also got my own podcast with Eden and Shope called Don't Alert the Stands. We're in our fifth season. We just wrapped up yesterday. Um, it's been a whirlwind of uh, the last couple of years just in terms of writing and stuff, but this year and last year, the tail end of last year, it's just taken off in a different way. So it's kind of weird that it's happening during a whole global pandemic, but I'm grateful, blessed. And yeah, thank you guys for inviting me on to have this conversation. I'm just looking forward to it. That was really nice, man. Thank you, Nick. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we appreciate that a lot, man. Cause um, yeah, we know that you've you've like obviously been following our stuff and likewise with with your podcast as well. So it's just nice to like just have a little inter podcast support, you know, like a little bit real, of a crossover. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. No problem. And Nick, your podcast has like blown up a lot in the last year in particular, right? I'm seeing you on all kinds of lists and it's it's amazing. Tell our to, for our listeners that might never have come across your podcast, just quickly, what's don't alert the stands? What do you do? What do you talk about? Yeah, I, I'd agree that this year again it's taken off in a different way. So um incredible for all the people who listen, support and think to include us in lists. Um so Don't Let the Stands is a music and stand culture based podcast where me, Eden and Shope basically just discuss what we've been listening to for that last week. Um, what articles both here, the United States, Africa, the continent, the Caribbean what has kind of come to the foreground and what has been discussed uh, in popular time, but we kind of dissect it from our own angle. No biases, no sponsors, none of that. Just the real kind of opinions from music journalists and writers and um, someone who just has a passion for music and tech as well. And uh, beyond that, sometimes we have group chat conversations kind of impromptu, like what you guys do here, just kind of spitballing some of our ideas on different things happening in music, different stand culture stuff, um, stand bases like activity perhaps online, like we got um, this person called Han online who has been a former stand and knows how stand Twitter operates and um, threads and all of that. And we just discuss kind of 
the toxic behavior, but then what leads to that behavior as well. We're really interested in the psychology of standship and stand culture. So that's a bit about our podcast. We've had Lewis York, who are Grammy Award winners um, and nominees on there. We've had uh, Kadiata, an amazing producer. We've had authors. We've had Shanice Shawe, who's um, a partnerships on YouTube. Um, and we could just continue to get actual experts in the room and people who have done and contributed to music and stand culture as well. Man, it's so nice to hear you talk about it because I remember, I actually remember one of your first posts being like, oh, we're starting this podcast, right? And yeah. to see it just grow from strength to strength and the, just the, the calibre of what you guys talk about and who you've had on. It's amazing, man. It's really Thank you. Thank you. Truly appreciate that. Ah, so I thought, I thought I could, we could kick off by just talking about maybe this year in particular, Obviously, there's no point even recounting that this year has been a traumatic and hard year for everyone in many Real. ways. Um, for you, Nick, what's been what's been the role of music in 2020? Um, okay, so I would say that at the start of the year, it was just really an interesting year because we we're in a new decade, right? Um, we are in the 20s now, completely different. Um, I wanted to see how things were changing like with music and what the pulse of things that were going to change with it. I actually wrote a piece about virtual touring um, in the wake of like uh, Whitney Houston dying and all of that and like her launching one in England as well and across Europe. So I actually wrote about virtual tours and I said, this is going to be the future of music. Um, it's a huge in Asia, like Asia are like realms ahead of us in, in terms of technology and music and um, America and England in terms of um, people who've just died and deceased, there was like split opinion. Um, so I just went through the history of like Tupac and then obviously Whitney Houston using it now. Um, I think Bobby Schmurder's used it before in Chief Keef when they were in prison. Um, and I just went through the history of tracking how its role could be used in multifaceted ways in music. So I thought that would happen anyway, but obviously we got hit through with a pandemic um, unexpectedly. Um, people like yourself, you know, the conversation's already been had since like 2014, Black Lives Matter. We're already in it. We're already amongst it. We're all amplifying in whatever way we can. You guys using your um, platform to kind of discuss it. But we didn't know that this wave of um, what people call BLM now um, was going to happen over here specifically as well as the United States. So music for me, I say all of this to say music to me has kind of been a form of evolution in terms of how people have done like virtual tours versus no signal, incredible platforms, which have done incredible things on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, how how we've kind of embraced pirate radioism over here um, and no signal are gonna become known as the lineage of that, like from the early 2000s to like what's happened now. Um, they'll be known for that. And they, they have shaken up the marketing industry in a way that no one could have anticipated when they first died. Similarly, Versus have done incredible things, not only in the United States, but in the Caribbean. Um, Beanie Man, uh, Beanie Man's uh, No Signal, No Signal Versus was actually the most, one of the most popular at the time before Jeezy um, and Gucci Man just had yeah, That was fire, man. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And their impressions actually took over the VMAs at the time. And then the Jeezy versus Gucci Man one overtook the BET Awards and VMAs um, and EMAs as well combined. So no way. Versus, versus doing incredible things in terms of the music industry and just showing that, again, Black people own this shit. Like we always will. Um, 
and we will always inform the future of our music and technology. So I'd say that there's that side of the coin. But for me on a personal level, like it was one of the most cathartic forms of escapism that I needed this year during the Black Lives Matter thing. I think we can all experience those two weeks in the, at the height of summer where it was just too much. And all of us kind of respectively had to step back or turn off um, or just do things more in the physical rather than online because it was just getting too much. People demanding questions of us, people asking us for resources, um, people asking for commentary, I'm, so, I'm sure for you guys as well. Yeah. Um, and just online, you just couldn't go online. Like Twitter, I'm sure as much as how serious we talk, we laugh as well. Like you guys, most of you follow me. So like, you know that there's the laughter side, but then there's the political side and the serious side. So I can even get the laughter side off because it was just like, mm. I it, people were reposting like trauma porn mm. um, and all of that kind of stuff. So it, I had to like, weirdly enough, Gunner's one album was like the soundtrack to me. I just would turn that on, go on the longest walk and kind of just escape mm. what was going on. Um, and the thing is, trap isn't my favorite genre. I like I like it to some extent, but it isn't my favorite genre, but I didn't expect Gunner's wanted to be the one that <laughs> just took me away from everything. But that is honestly one of the best albums released this year. So I'd say the role of music this year has been innovation during an unexpected global pandemic and being used as a healing vehicle for people who wanted to escape, like myself. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, man, that is... That summed up so well, to be honest. Like, it's just been... 2020 has been, like, obviously, we know it's been the maddest year, but, like, we've seen so many, like, leaps and bounds when it comes to just, like, culture. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so many... I guess it's like te technological advancements, but more so people have discovered new ways to use existing tools. Yeah. So, and that has just brought about like, yeah, like massive shifts in culture. Like the amount of um, traction and pulling power that, yeah, like no signal had. And then obviously like the versus phenomenon, because imagine like a year ago, like this is not something that I don't think it was on anybody's radar, to be honest. It's just like because no. of the pandemic and how we've been forced to, to adjust um we've just come up with new and wonderful ways to like keep ourselves entertained and i guess just keep ourselves sane as well but yeah it just speaks to like the sort of inventive and creative power of, of human beings like yeah. when faced with adversity and i think that is probably for me one of the biggest positives i think that has come out of 2020 because like like we've all said and experienced like it's been a really tough year but so many interesting and like cool new things have just been added to the culture and it's just like yeah like when things sort of well I don't know if they'll ever go back to normal but when things I guess become less um less unusual shall we say like hopefully all these things that you know we've we've discovered and created during this year like you know we can we can build upon them and, and continue to enjoy them but um yeah it's been crazy I just wanted to ask you though um could you go into a bit more detail about um, sort of virtual touring? Because um, I've had like sort of a couple of experiences of that, I suppose. Um, so like, I don't know if everybody remembers, but the the two pack one with the, the hologram that like that was like quite an iconic thing. Well, Coachella. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. quite scary as well, actually. Like, yeah, I like, yeah, I remember it being quite scary. I did. It was a bit unsettling, but like in terms of just like the technology and everything, I thought it was pretty cool. And then another thing that I saw this year was um, Travis Scott's um, 
concert on um Fortnite. on Fortnite, yeah. which I thought was probably one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Like I didn't get to I didn't get to experience it. Like, I didn't buy tickets, but I watched like all the footage of it like a day or so afterwards. And I just thought that was incredible. Like for me, I felt like that was especially like now where people have to social distance and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that could conceivably be like the future of like concerts because what you're able to do, what you're able to do with like a, a virtual concert concert in that sense, because basically it was on a, on a video game um, and it was like, yeah, basically it was like a hundred foot tall Travis Scott. And you're like, there's loads of like, there's loads of different avatars within Fortnite, like your, your playable character. So you could just like run around and then like, it would allow you to fly and all this stuff, like all of this craziness going on. It's like this proper trippy psychedelic thing. Um, so that I thought that was amazing, but yeah, I just wanted to ask you, like, to sort of, I guess, better define um, what virtual tours actually look like, because um, I don't know if I've sort of done the best job of painting that picture, but yeah. Um, I would say that, like, first of all, they use three-dimensional uh, like technology, and I think they're experimenting with 4D across the world. It's still still like untapped in the Western world. Um, like but japan china etc definitely have virtual pop stars who aren't real at all um and get like real audiences for this kind of these kind of k-pop stars essentially mm. um so korea obviously korean pop so um and korean hip-hop and um j-pop japanese pop and all of that mm. so they definitely exist about 10 to 15 years ahead of us in terms of it culturally mm. accepting it because if we have the technology that's one thing but to accept that technology is another thing and mm. i think the western virtual stuff uh it needs a wake a gate a gateway in and I think you touched on a great point with Travis Scott um and even Gunner did a virtual experience I believe this year as well um and then obviously Whitney Houston's tour as I said before for the older generation and like posthumous touring as well so um I think the three-dimensional technology they kind of use projectors and all sorts to make it a reality um and I think like YouTube so are they are they actually like oh. live shows are they so is it kind of like like holograms and stuff like that like people actually go to a venue or is it people like sort of watching it from like their home like on their computer screen or I think you can do both at this point but the Whitney Houston one was definitely like in real life like um oh, okay. shop shop actually did the PR for it um and he he went to it with some some of his people that at his workplace but yeah I think with the pandemic and stuff definitely there'll be like more um non in real life ones just because of like social distancing and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. but um they basically get people um amy amy winehouse's estate was actually in conversations to do one as well i think they're still working on it but mm. um they get someone who fits and say an amy winehouse's likeness to do like the movement and everything to mm. bring kind of new age moves to the hologram and mm -hmm. then they get them to replicate like iconic moves that like say a Michael Jackson, you know, moonwalk mm. or something, they'll get it as Can close imagine to that. Yeah, as close to reality as possible. Yeah. Um, and just work to kind of film those, edit mm. that into holographic form, of course, and then beam that out through the projection kind of technology that they've been able to use. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's definitely something that's coming and I, I believe it will come even quicker now with what's 
gone on here it's just about whether culturally we'll be able to accept that because part of the reason I wrote the piece for Whitney Houston is because when it when it was announced I just observed online and um, what people were saying to me in, in person and they were kind of debating whether they kind of wanted to go to these things because it's an inauthentic experience if if that makes sense um but a lot of people still have gone um so I think Frank Sapar was an example of one in the United States in the rock realm um and it it kind of did quite well and people were like it still feels to some extent kind of real I don't know if you guys have watched the um oh what is that show called Black Mirror episode where someone's died and then they kind of yeah. use a robot yeah, yeah, well, this is think- making me think about yeah a hundred percent so it's definitely kind of giving me mm. that in in some realms and some people there's this thing called like a parasocial relationship that some people have with artists and that kind of helps lead to stand culture so obviously parasocial is a one-dimensional relationship where you're not getting anything from the other person but you kind of feel that you have a relationship with that person. Mm. So that's what a lot of people have with celebrities and Mm. music artists alike. So Mm. that led to the divided opinion of yes or no, because they're like, Whitney meant this, 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 and this to me. I can't go to a concert that does this, this, this without her being there, if that makes sense. And then some people are like, I need to be as close to her as possible because she's died. So Mm. I will go to that concert because I want to be as close to a reality as possible you know so some people it it irritates to some people it actually invites them to come in Mm. as well Mm. but um Mm. there's a company called base hologram if you kind of i just loaded up the article just to remind myself but um they are one of the many outlets that are leading the charge between like hologram and holographic tours so Mm. if you see what's coming what they're doing definitely like go to base holograms website like if you just google it it will definitely come up Mm -hmm. Uh, what you were saying also reminded me of the the birthday present that kanye got for kim kardashian this year did you guys see that what was it um it was basically a hologram of her dad dad, right yeah yeah Mm. yeah. oh shit okay yeah yeah everyone was saying that it was basically just david schwimmer because i remember (laughs) <laughs> don't kill me <laughs> i need to watch it again but yeah it was i don't know i i watched it and it was i just found it a bit creepy but i don't know yeah. different strokes for different folks you know like i guess for her it was it was a really yeah, nice I'm thing just, to be I, able to like i'm just thinking about it and i'm like like i i, I saw prince once you know before he passed it was oh, a so lucky. moment and i cried when i saw him i'm, I'm not gonna lie when i because it's just prince like and i'm just thinking well you know, given that I'd seen Prince, yeah, would I want to see a hologram of Prince, essentially seeing Prince again? So me, answer be no. I'm happy if somebody else wants to go and see Prince because there's a lot of people that don't know Prince. It's often mm. like, mm. so one of the things I always have is people often don't like to make the comparison between Prince and Michael. And I'm like, there's actually a genuine comparison that can be made, but there's a yeah. lot of people that have never given Prince the time of day mm. 100%. to make that comparison. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, I think yeah. that Prince is the better artist not performer. I think that's clear. Everybody knows, but in terms of um, being able to, you know, like orchestrate all your music, um, you know, he's obviously heads and shoulders above Mike. 
but obviously Mike is the better performer. No, no, can you say it? Because Mike couldn't play instruments. Like, he could, but not to Prince's level. 100%, like, yeah. Prince could sit. Prince could say, nah, you're not playing, you're not playing the drums this way. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to do it myself. You're not mm. doing the guitar. You're not doing yeah. this and this. Whereas Michael was like, all right, cool. Teddy Riley, you just cook me something up. And obviously Teddy's great. You That's cook me up something. not and quite warm. true, but yeah, yeah. What but, could yeah, Michael yeah. play? Come on, bro. No, I'm not saying that he was a musician, but what I'm saying is that he had more direction over the music than just asking Teddy Riley to come up with beats. Oh no, so, no, okay. I'm 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 doing him a disservice, obviously. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, let me not yeah, let me not yeah. put shame on Michael's name in it, but I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into Michael versus Prince a bit. But yeah, it's funny that you say that because me, so I never got to see Michael in concert. My parents did. They went to that that bad tour in the late 80s. Mm. Oh, right, so that's yeah. iconic. That's, Yo, that's, that's much, iconic. You know? yeah, yeah. So I so when he announced his tour um, in 2009, like I was doing everything that I could to get tickets um, mm. and I didn't manage to get my hands on tickets. And then obviously, unfortunately, he passed away. But um, yeah, like if they announced like a hologram tour for Michael Jackson, if the tickets weren't stupid money, I would I would be there. Like I would, the thing, I would definitely the thing is, see right, that, man. This is making me, and I know this is like theology me coming in. Yeah. It just make me think about ethics, like the ethics of someone who's dead, like performing for people who are alive today. Like, I don't know where I sit because imagine I'm dead now, yeah, and then you man are like, Ah, oh, it's calm, we'll just get hologram Bilal back. Like, that I don't know, like, <laughs> I haven't consented to that, you know, I'm dead, and my yeah. music, whilst my music lives on in terms of you know, it's out there, my everyone can see what I've already created, you can't be bringing me back to perform. I think, even more so, like, it's who's actually earning financially from that now yeah Yeah. because you have you know when is a family's like you you mentioned amy winehouse estate then calls going to the family we obviously don't know the background of like the relationship between the family and amy and how she would have wanted um any of her earnings to be distributed between them but at least there's a family connection to that you have certain artists who the their label owns their masters um owns their records etc they can essentially perpetually earn income from them. If this like as a form of technology takes off and virtual tools become a thing, they can, there's like no limit to how much they can earn from running these virtual tools. And I imagine that there is a cost obviously to it, but it's not the same as like, you know, having various like um, in, in-person shows and all the costs that come with the traveling and transport, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's crazy like it's always like as a potential money earner it's mad but then like Bilal was saying the ethics of that as well is like super questionable yeah I definitely discussed that like in the piece and just discussed who's getting the money like Avicii's family are planning obviously to do a virtual tour too um, and I discussed exactly what you guys just said in in some cases the family do get it but in some cases obviously it's a capital gain from an institution that kind of has a no stakes in the artist kind of care or concerns or anything like that. If we look at what we just discussed with Prince and MJ, they both in their own ways, both explicitly and implicitly spoke out against labels and the structure of the industry. And I'm still, I still can't get over the fact that Michael owns, he basically owns Sony for like a, couple, yeah. like a decade, bruv. How does one man own Sony? That's mad. Before he and they hated them, that. Mad. They hated that as well. So it's definitely a case of looking at the ethics, who gets the money and stuff like that. For me personally, like if I was handling someone's estate, I probably would not do a uh, kind of virtual tour in their likeness because they didn't consent to it. 
um, unless we had the conversation while they were alive, which I'm sure loads of imprints and labels are now bringing into contracts and agreements and stuff like that as it continues to rise or they'll do so when it becomes like uh, prominent in the Western world. That's actually just, it's just wild thinking about it really because it seems so futuristic, but it's here, like it's already happening. Yeah. Like it just feels like something... It, yeah, when you said the Black Mirror episode, because I was sitting here thinking, I'm, I swear I've seen this Black Mirror episode where this yeah. is basically what's going on, you know? And it is the world at the moment. Do you think Do you think live music will ever go back to what it was post-pandemic in the sense that you could just rock up to a venue, find a new artist, listen to some live music? Do you f- or do you feel that now it is going to be this more insular i listen to music in my own space or i find new artists online or i i watch a virtual festival or i visit a virtual concert like is what do you think do you think it's going to be different um i think that even before this moment um before this year there was a trend on in the retail landscape but we can kind of bring it into this space too of people wanting more in real life experiences, more curated experiences, more authentic touches, um, just back to a more communal feel with things before the pandemic. And then obviously the pa- this trend was gonna like carry on, like marketers predicted it, retail experts predicted it, the likes of Selfridges building a cinema for those in real life kind of um, activations, they were, they were trying to pivot towards that. And I know that John Lewis partnership were doing something similar as well. So um, as the pandemic kind of ensued, that obviously blocked everything off and the uncertainty came in and then virtual kind of concepts came to life to kind of monetize and um, engage with audiences across the world. But I think that after this pandemic, people are gonna crave even more for in real life experiences as well. I think it's just gonna be down to the institutions like Live Nation, Ticketmaster, et cetera, for them to regulate that. And I think if a vaccination does come to a way, which it already will, um, you know, the pharma industry is booming right now because of the uh, perspective of like vaccinations and stuff. So I think if they can get that under control, there'll be a definitely more monitored, but closer to what we were before reaction because the demand will be there, 110% the demand will be there. Um, even the fact that Erica Badu has been able to monetize home concerts and stuff shows that people want that intimacy. They want that, that in real life touch. If she was able to do something like that in real life, people would run to it, you know? Yeah, she's um, on the bucket list 100%, man. Yeah, yeah, 100%, especially seeing her versus this, this kind of pandemic as well and then Yo, going back to her discography fire, bruv. it was it, it was the most healing one of them all like it, it dropped Correct. like saturday night it was like what people needed for that sunday it was like two women two black women just showing love to one another so it was it was great but Erica um, and jill scott special yes special man special mm. moments but i think people people would run to that i mean look at look at everyone going just in a different sense look at everyone right now on your stories and stuff in dubai they want those in real life experiences people want to find a way to escape the pandemic as much as possible which is fine like for better or worse whatever like we're humans we crave touch like that is 
the most intimate form of kind of um, relations. So I think people will go back to going, they'll run, the, the concert uh, industry will be booming once it's allowed to fully operate again. Um, it's just about regulating the health around that. I don't know if it will be as careless um, or carefree, should I say, as, you know, rocking up 10 minutes before the show. I, I literally remember half of these last year, 10 minutes before the show, just chilling, you know, not worrying about who you're standing next to, all of that. I don't know if it will be like that. I think people will be more conscious and maybe looking around a bit more. But I definitely think people will still want that unity of watching their favourite artists live again. Like who who wouldn't want to run to something like that, especially our generation who kind of take risks, but still have that thing in the back of their mind. But I think we arguably take more risks than our our parents in some ways. So I think we'd run to those kind of live event, live venues. Yeah, I think for me, like this year, this year, one of the hardest things is not like, I've gone to a festival every, at least one festival a year for years on end yeah. now. And like not being able to just be around live music was a big deal. It's not even about just being at a festival for the other vibes, but it's just being in a space where there is live music, you know? Yeah. I think that was one of the hardest things. And I remember I listened, well, I actually, I helped someone do their TED talk, this woman called Lynette Kamala, and she's on the board for Notting Hill Carnival. And her mm. TED talk was actually all about Carnival as a force for healing, right? And she talks yes. about Notting Hill Carnival yeah. as a force for healing and the healing vibes just around something about being with, with everyone around you, listening to music and the sound and the sound coming through there. And when you said that, that you know, listen, even the Erica Badu, versus that was healing and um I think next year say I don't know if we're out of this it's almost like the first the first concert or the first carnival or the first whatever it'll just feel like everyone's together just healing from this trauma oh 100 percent um I think I want to shout out another writer which um you guys should definitely read the work of she is Jamaica through and through the Caribbean through and through her name is Shireen Taylor, love her to bits. And she wrote a piece very similar to this for We Transfer. Um, Carnival, a lot of people who come as guests don't understand. It is a form of healing. It is a, it is a specifically West Indian experience. Um, and what I've seen happen to Notting Hill, weirdly enough, like the year before I played, um, I went with Island Mass with like Alex, uh, Eden etc etc you know the drill with us a lot um we went and then when I stepped outside of that just to go to the bathroom or to find a bathroom or something I was just like what is happening here like this is not carnival this is gentrified uh for for lack of a better word and um I actually got invited to the Red Bull version of their own little thing that they invite influencers to or whatever oh, yeah, every year. Yeah, 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 I sh yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I write, I've, I've done pieces for them this year, but like whatever, they did this whole influencer thing. And it's like, to be honest, you're in some ways, I mean, there was a way they could have done better because their sound clash was great. Like what they've done with sound clash over the years and stuff like that. But I think this particular thing is adding to the problem and not, being as authentic as it can be um, in honing in on West Indian culture and maybe perhaps not doing the influencer thing every year and not having your own stage in a separate field from Carnival. And it's like, you're trying to almost compete with it in some ways. And it's like, 
yeah, the whole feel of carnival for me has changed um, yeah, over the last yeah. couple of years, which is why I'll only do it with bands now because you know what? Yeah. that yeah. I can't do it without now. Once yeah. I did it last year, I was just like, I can't not yeah. do it again. I was going to say, so one, of, one of my problems with carnival over the years yeah, is like, why does there need to be an Afrobeats float? Like no matter where you go. And I'm just saying this because it actually is a celebration of Caribbean culture and it is something that people should 100%. actually go and respect and not try to supersede you get what i'm mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. um and i've had a problem with that for a while and i'm coming from a um i'm of african stock and i'm like listen yeah just like we just need to celebrate another from my perspective another culture and just yeah. absorb ourselves into that and properly enjoy just mm-hmm. like probably enjoy the float and all of that like you get me the caribbean floats that's what i'm saying but yeah mm-hmm. just enjoy mm-hmm. our experiences as well yeah, and man. i think mm-hmm. um even beyond we're not trying to make it um a diaspora war because the same way that I'm saying about Afrobeats, I'm saying about, you know, drum and bass. Um, why am I hearing drum? Why am I hearing Chris Brown? Why am I hearing Chris Brown in Carnival? I don't need to hear you. Unless you're on an Elephant Man track, like get out of here. And the thing is like, <laughs> the thing is, soca is the predominant genre. Even like dancehall, I don't want to hit, like I'm here for soca. Like that is what I'm, that's what Carnival is about. Like at a, at a stretch, obviously one, two little dancehall at the end or something, but, to go to hip hop, to go to Afrobeats, to go to drum and bass, that's an insult to me mm, personally. Mm, that, mm. That's an insult. You're not respecting my culture. You just want to do this multiculturalism thing. And it's like, we can have our own little festival of different cultures on a different day, a different weekend, a different month. But for this specific end of August campaign, you need to respect Caribbean culture. There's a reason why Notting Hill is laughed at amongst the Caribbean diaspora. There's a reason why it's critiqued amongst mm. like Trinidad, like authentic Trinis, authentic Jamaicans and stuff like that. It's because of all this intermingle of culture. And it's like, I'm not saying you can't come, but you need to really question why you're coming and who mm. you're trying to celebrate while being there. Do you know what I mean? No, I hear that hundred percent, mm. man. Mm. I know. I think just like, like the majority of people that, you know, um, that come nowadays, that um, are probably not of West Indian descent. They don't really understand the history of Notting Hill, like why it's even there um, and why it's actually like, it's a site of resistance, you know, it's protests um, first and foremost, you know what I mean? Um, And West Indian people have made something beautiful out of what was actually something that was quite ugly. Do you know what I mean? So it is more than just, not to say that music isn't important, but it's like, it can't just be music taken out of context. Like the 100%. music that's played there is all contextual. Um, it's all historical. Um, and yeah, it, and it is, it is a site of healing for us. Like I can't explain it when I go there, whenever I go Notting Hill Carnival, it's the one time of the year that I feel as a black person that's born and raised and grown up in London of West Indian descent, that I actually belong like, that's the Facts. only time, that's Facts. the only time in my life where I can say, I feel like I belong here in this city where I've been born and raised. And I've never really been able to explain it, but I think given what we've talk, talked about, um, and now that I'm a bit older and I can understand the significance of it, it makes sense. Um, but it's something that is not easily explained with words. But yeah, I don't know if any of you and any of the other guys feel that way. But um yeah, for me it's like because I've born and raised here, I've never really felt like I've I've I actually belong in, in London in the bro, UK. why do you think I left the country? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, because why, some, why, some, why do you think I yeah, left bro, as well? Some, exactly. And you went to Brazil for a couple of years. Like mm, I'd, I'd mm. left the UK because I, I got to a point where I was like, do you know what? 
I'm born and raised here, but there are plenty of times I do not even feel welcome in my own home. Facts. Um, and I was like, do you know what? If this is how the UK are gonna 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 treat me in various ways, and we don't need to get into examples. And every 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 person who is black, and even our <clears throat> wider that, even of of color, but particularly if you're black, you'll know exactly the experiences that you just go through. Just the the just the from the small microaggressions to things that are just completely egregious, but. I agree with you. Yeah, even when when I go to carnival, and even though I go as a, I, obviously I go as a guest to the culture as such, but culture that I was I was raised up with as such, I I love it because there is there is a healing property, and that's just even for me, like as a as a guest, as it were. You got what I'm saying? But there is something it's special. There's something magical about it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a positive vibe, a unity that I just you know, and it is it is it is a relatively carefree experience. You don't really have to watch yourself. Yeah. Like so long as you're, you know, so long as you're like conducting yourself like whatever appropriately and whatever, and you're not going mm. um doing madness, yeah. It's just a carefree set of two days. Do you know what mm. I mean? And that's what yeah. I love about it. And you know, yeah. yeah. And you know what you know what you said, Tom, about like as a guest, even though you know you are a guest of the culture, you do experience that healing thing. I like I personally feel that like carnival is something that the whole of the diaspora can participate in and enjoy and have that healing process. I just think that when it comes to how we preserve carnival, it should be preserved the like the British West Indian way. Do you know what I mean? So no, like, of course, man, of course. Um, yeah, of course. But like, I, I personally feel that like, you know, carnival is, it is for the diaspora because at the end of the day, like, you know, we are still, we are still related. We're still cousins. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of, um, cultural exchange that has taken place between like across the Atlantic, you know what I mean? So mm. um, obviously like, um, yeah, West Indian people, you know, we are descended from, from the continent. So yeah, like it's not, for me, it's like, there isn't like a kind of like, we need to kind of, this is for us and you lot stay over there. But I do feel like it should be respected um, in and of itself, like in its full sort of, entirety do you know what I mean a hundred percent like if I was going to a hall party for example mm. I'm gonna I'm a guest like mm. I'm not leading anything there's no me requesting dance or me doing this this is a night where I'm respecting Nigerians Ghanaians whatever whoever's doing it from the the continent whatever country specifically their whole party is mm. I'm respecting that culture you know and I just want that same respect for West Indians in Britain because I feel like we don't get it from obviously white people they're not the bar they're not the litmus test but then not getting it from our own especially watching something like mcqueen's small acts like this we need what, to all get into that yeah. like 100 percent and watch <laughs> that because that is black british history that we didn't get in school yeah. um and we need to watch that and really respect the west indians that came like our forefathers i wasn't alive for my forefathers and had them had, having to fight and getting off the boat and stuff mm. but just as a diaspora we need to come together and just respect the black people that were here before us and the culture that they built like when you said patrick um not in hill is a place of res resistance we need to watch like a mangrove and all of that and just get the kind of um synergy between the regions and like what mm. happened mm. you know yeah and i feel like that's why it's so easy for carnival to become diluted because as you said like this Black British history, specifically in this case, like West Indian history in the UK, it's not it's not taught and it's not yeah. that widely known. Um, it's like we have to go out and kind of educate ourselves, or our parents have to tell us about it, kind of thing. So, yeah, but yeah, again, shout out Small Axe because, boy, it's been really, really. Um, it's been a mix of emotions actually watching it, but um, overall, it's been um, yeah, it's been positive. It's just like, 
especially the mangrove episode, it's like a mixture of pride and anger. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like the anger because it's like literally like I'm seeing I'm seeing like my family. Do you know what I mean? I'm seeing the like my my ancestors, I suppose. Like, but like just for them to exist, it's a struggle. It's a fight. Yeah. Just as a as a black person in the UK, just merely existing, like mm. starting a business and having your own thing is just like it's a fight. But yeah, everybody listening, get into small acts. Um, because yeah, the first two episodes have been pretty good. I know that second episode came under a bit of criticism for like certain inaccuracies and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it's been it's been good so far. What inaccuracies? Sorry, I don't. I don't know so <laughs> apparently, um, I've heard this a few times now. Um, so like the older generation watching the the house party episode, um, yeah, lovers rock. Um, like some of the ways that uh, like the interactions between men and women were portrayed were a bit sort of, this is not my words, by the way, but um, like a little bit kind of like extreme or like dramatized, like kind of like they made the sort of the interaction between men and women seem to be sort of like worse than it actually was. Um, Another criticism was like how like the Janet Kay song, like, it was at the time very, very kind of, um, what's the word, um, commercial. And it wasn't like, it wasn't the kind of thing that would be like playing in a house party like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it was like too commercialized, but I don't know. I think obviously you're not going to be able to please everybody. You're not going to be able to capture something 100%. I just thought for me, what I liked about that episode was it was, you know, a West Indian love story. Do you know what I mean? It was nice to see us on TV yeah. and not have us like toiling or struggling or it was yeah. just like a, a, a nice, a nice story. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And and that's all it needed to be. Yeah. I want to just, just bring it back um, to, to you, Nick, really. And just thinking about where, where you're at in your journey, as Patrick kind of said, right at the start, you know, your, your career is taking off at the moment. Really what, what what's going on for you? where firstly where you're at and also what do you think is coming up next in your life but in the music industry more specifically um okay where I'm at is that like this year I haven't had the chance to kind of sit down and just be like what's gone on but like I know that as the year's gone on I've been able to take some stuff off so what I do every year is in December I review a voice note that i did to myself in January um and that is just kind of me talking to myself just like what have I what do I want to do this year what came before um where do I want to go and this year I've slowly been able to tick off a lot of the things I wanted to do so for example um I actually wanted to do a cover story next year I didn't think I'd be ready this year I wanted to work on my penmanship and like really make sure I honed in on the skills of being a good writer and all of that and I'm building what I'd already done the previous year but weirdly enough a a front cover opportunity came to me like mid-summer and it was actually through a record label I I just pitched in a QA and a and they were like no we want to we want a cover story we want this we want that for this artist and the publication and said are you ready do you want to do it and I was like I mean why not let's let's just see what we're doing here so I spoke to some peers and got some of their advice and people who I'd admire and stuff like that and they were like you're ready just do it like you're never you're never going to feel ready when you do it just just do it so 
I did it and luckily it came out cool. Um, and the edit was the edit was really cool as well with it as well. It didn't get edited too much, which was great. But the point is that they did give it showed me that they read it properly, like the editor and stuff. But um, yeah, was able to tick that off. Was able to get into some publications like the Face Magazine, which I've always wanted to get into really naturally. Was able to do some work with Apple Music, which was definitely on the voice note for sure. Um, and be, was able to like pivot into biographies for artists as well, like to do like little biographies for their projects and their profiles as well. So um, what's next for me? I kind of want to, I still want to be a journalist. I still want to be a writer, all of that kind of stuff. But um, I want to get into artist consultancy. Um, so really helping to talk because I find, I find myself always wanting to help shape an artist like image or what they're working on like musically and I find that artists are now really wanting my ear like they'll send me projects and be like Nick I'm halfway through like what do you think like I really respect your opinion as like a tastemaker and stuff and I never saw myself as like a tastemaker or anything over here um with what's going on but a lot of people have called me that so I guess you know I'll roll with it like in in a non like cocky way or anything but um I definitely want to help artists like create projects and like talk to them about maybe this shouldn't be here maybe you should think about working with this person because I always have ideas in my head for what artists should kind of do and who they should work with and what what they should kind of craft so I definitely think that's next for me um freelancing in like the consultancy realm as well still doing bios I definitely now that I've got a taste of a cover story I definitely want to tell a lot more artist stories in that format um doing things like this actually which is great like just discussing music in an audio form as well so expanding into different audio platforms is something I definitely want to do too um yeah and just working with more DSPs in different ways too so I think those things are some things that are on my mind and on the horizon for music um I definitely see verses um someone actually tweeted this and it was it's always been on my mind like this year I was like verses will definitely go on the road especially with the test that they did in like um Atlanta and then they did one um with Beanie Man obviously in Jamaica too so that was um that was cool like seeing him and Bounty Killer like just kill it in person um, was dope and just really controlled the setting that they were in um, and seeing all the back of house work that went into making something like that happen um, was incredible. I definitely think there'll be more documentaries um, and filming of what's happened this at this time. I definitely think we'll see a No Signal documentary um, coming or like how Versus got started as well, like Swiss Beats and um, Timbo doing like a long form interview. Um, I definitely think that weirdly enough in writing there'll be more celebrity to celebrity interviews which is a trend that I don't like personally because it takes away from the craft of journalism and writing um and it's definitely skewed in a biased way um but I definitely think that's on the horizon a little bit more which is sad to kind of the industry and like people losing jobs and like great opportunities to do um music and gaming definitely something that will partner up again with like with the likes of Twitch, Discord, um, and platforms like that to Fortnite, like with what Travis, the example used earlier. Um, music curation and how it's made, I don't think will change much. I spoke to artists a lot and they had already been equipped for the pandemic, if that makes sense. Like they had some form of home studio. They did tracks virtually, like track people aren't in the studio as much anymore. 
um, creating duets um, like they would in the past. So definitely audios back and forth was the norm anyway in the music business nowadays. Um, people are still traveling to kind of film content and stuff. Like people are going to the US, like um, Atiana Major Nine was just in the US doing some content and stuff. So I think people will still be able to travel to film stuff. I think partnerships with YouTube, like virtual concerts and stuff will start to happen or remote concerts um, where people are just performing and then people pay to like watch at a specific time. Um, what else? People using the pandemic in their songs a lot. I've heard that this year. So I definitely think people will talk about it for the next five years or so to come for better or worse. Um, I don't know about the content, but yeah and people will just release music at a faster pace to try and galvanize attention um because there's no other way to kind of go on tour um in the conventional way to kind of sell your product anymore i think the weekend is one of the only examples this year of someone who's actually given us a full era and said i'm going to keep wearing the suit this is like this exact album you're getting this is this next single this is the next visual so he's been able to really somehow extend his era um throughout a pandemic which is crazy because at the start of the pandemic he had the choice whether or not to release and he said he's still going to go forward with it so yeah uh, those are some of the trends that I see on the horizon and that is what is happening for me right now. Wow. Thank you so much, Nick. So every, like when you just said that, I was sitting there going, oh yeah, that's true. Oh, I want to, I want to see that. And like so many questions popping up for me, but um, I just want to say thank you for coming on, on our podcast. Yeah. It's been a really, really nice episode just to chat through these things with you, man. And we really appreciate it. Thank you, you for having well, me, man. Hold on, hold on. I can't ask. This is, this is a music <laughs> I, I was episode, gonna, bro. I was going like, to bring you in, on, bro? I was like, going to bring you on? in just there. <laughs> like, you know, we, we like to ask a lot of our guests this question just because I, I think about it all the time. Top five that are alive, go. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Does this have to um, include rappers as well? Or is it, it's is top, it like it's a top five that are alive. Just, just, yeah, your top five that are alive. There's no limits or whatever to it. Just top five that are alive. Okay, but music specific, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah music. Okay. Yeah. Fuck, wow. Um, does it have to be in order? Oh, just the five that comes to mind. Okay, cool. Usher, um, for one. Um, oh, just because I see him influence these people so much, but Anaz, for better or worse, just, you know, musically. Um, fuck, it's so hard. <laughs> um do you know what I'll say? I'll just say Michael Jackson for Michael Jackson's sake. Um, someone in this generation who has already created a classic, Miguel. Um, and Little Kim, just for what she's done for women in rap. I have to include a woman. So, yeah. Was that five? One, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Usher, yeah, yeah. Nas, MJ, Miguel, Little Kim. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Cool. What are you guys? Want, what are you guys top five? Let you go without that question. Yeah, yeah no, I knew it was coming. I was just, I was just we can't. We can't, we can't. We can't. not ask this, man. You know what I mean? It's like music episode. How can we just ignore like top five? Um, That's mad. Yeah. What? What are some of you guys is? Oh man, Prince is always going to be up there. Um, I have yeah. Usher up there as well. I put Mariah Carey and Whitney probably there, and then depends how I'm feeling. But because I've been listening to her a lot really, and I'm like, right, oh, she's so slept on Mary J. Blige. Okay. Oh, Mary. Oh, yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Love every it's, single album. Oh, it's so difficult, man. I'll need to. I'll need to come back. I need yeah. to have a good think about it. 
I need to actually go away and do something. Yeah, right. It's, it's only Nas and Whitney that come straight to mind for me, but I ain't got the other three like that. But yeah, anyway, Nick, I just want to say right. thank you so much again for joining us. Um, if people want to follow you. you, find you, read your stuff, where can people find you? Okay, so um, all socials are I am N Tyrell. Um, that is where you'll find my work. You'll find my link tree. You'll find websites, all of that kind of stuff there. Um, for the podcast as well, that's Don't Let the Stand. So that's pod, D-A-T-S-P-O-D on all social platforms too. And yeah, that's where you can find my work or me speaking about my work on music and culture and stuff. So thank you again for having me as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Uh, with that, uh, as ever, you can get in touch with us at OTB Podcast UK on all the socials. Send us an email, otbpodcastuk at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you thought about this. And I really hope that wherever you are, by the time this is out, it'll be proper coming up to Christmas. So please do have, stay safe and have a good Christmas, everyone. And we'll be back with you soon. Over and out. <laughs>